0: Here at Miss Teacher Mom, we recognize the great privilege and responsibility that we have as parents to educate our children. Beyond math and phonics, this also includes building their characters, molding their hearts, and reaching their souls. A burden too big to carry on our own. We sense the call to missional motherhood, but we could use some help from those who have more experience and wisdom than us. So we're calling upon some wonderful godly women and men to encourage and equip us as we seek to raise our kids with eternity in mind. today we're on week five for creating a vision for your family. I have Mel here. Her and her husband are serving in Amherst. Their church planters um, have been for over 20 years, but they have really thoughtfully parented their kiddos who are now adults. And I'm really excited for her to be here. I hope you ladies have been blessed over the last four weeks. And I think today's conversation will be really encouraging as well. We're gonna be talking about having an educational vision for our kids, which encompasses years and years as they're in our homes and really affects their future. Um, So Mel, thanks so much for coming on the podcast with me once again. I really appreciate you having me, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about this Mel because we've just begun homeschooling our kids and I'm already finding that it's really easy to take it one day at a time or even one week at a time, but having a long-term view in mind is really important. How did you and Robert plan the vision that you had for your kids regarding their education and what questions were helpful to think through in planning that?
1: Uh, Robert and I actually thought a lot about our desired educational and intellectual hopes and goals for our children. Not that um, any of these visions are necessarily more important than the other ones, but this one we felt just this pressing need to be really intentional about and I think an educational vision does help make those hopes and desires that we have for our kids minds and education more specific and tangible so would you like for them to learn a language what kind of literature do you want them to be exposed to Will you prioritize art and music in their education? These are the sorts of things you might think about as you create an educational vision for your children, no matter what type of schooling you have chosen. So when you envision an outcome or a goal, then you can think through the steps it will take to achieve that outcome. And if you don't envision an educational outcome for your children and then take the steps to achieve it, um, other people or circumstances will likely do it for you. So then your children will be subject to the vision of someone or something else that may not be in their best interest or in line with what your family's own priorities and worldview are. So like I think I have mentioned before, having an educational vision for my children falls again in this biblical category of stewardship. So in Genesis 1, God creates man and woman. He calls them to steward the earth which includes ruling over it, subduing it, being productive and fruitful. So if I apply this stewardship mandate from God that's on me to educating my children, it means I do on some level need to rule over that education to tailor it and to subdue anything that might threaten it and then work to make it productive and fruitful.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. I know that you homeschooled your kids, but do you have advice for parents um, whose children go to private or public school? We understand that we're still responsible for the education of our children, regardless of how they're schooled. How can they steward their responsibility well, while not schooling their children full-time?
1: I would say the most important thing is to be involved. I think this is the biggest encouragement I can give to all parents, no matter what. Educational choice they make, Um, and this is how I've seen it done well by my friends who did not homeschool their kids. They um, intentionally put them in a private or public school, but they were super involved in as much of that education as they could. So, So. I I remember about 15 years ago, we live in a, it's called the Fog college area. So there's just constant opportunities for lectures and events and things. So about 15 years ago, I attended a lecture at a local college here. And the title was something like the media and the American high schooler. So it was mostly educators that attended this. And the speaker was an expert in this, on this topic and had done a lot of research. So it was intended to equip public high school educators to teach more effectively despite the great influence of the media on teens. And this was before social media. So it was really about the competing voices of media like television, movies, video games, music, and then just the emerging social media like MySpace, I think at that time was really like the most popular um, social media platform. So the speaker gave some practical teaching tips and classroom management ideas and engaging ideas to engage students while they're in the classroom. But then at the end of his presentation, he said something that I will just never forget. I think it was because someone asked a question about how effective his methods had proven to be. And he answered them like this. He said, to be honest, unless the student has a healthy adult at home providing a nourishing meal and asking them about their day and what they're learning in school, these methods really are not that effective. So I was really surprised that he was um, courageous enough to say that about his own research. So, and and that statement did two things for me. Number one, it encouraged me in my homeschool efforts because I wasn't only inquiring about my kids' school day and the subjects that they were learning. I was literally learning these things alongside of them. And also number two, it caused me to see the difference that a parent makes no matter what the schooling choice and the parent's involvement. So I would strongly recommend involvement as much as possible so that could range from making sure your kids have a healthy breakfast and helping get them out the door on time with their homework and then discussing their school day over dinner not letting them get away with the we didn't do anything in school today answer um, to volunteering at their school reading the same books that they're reading so that you can better engage them on the specifics of what they're learning. Um, I would encourage meeting all of their teachers and attending as many school events as you can, um, affirming your kids' efforts, affirming their grades. So as easy as it would be to sort of check out and let the teachers do all of the work, and I totally get that, I would urge parents who have chosen public or private school to resist that temptation as much as possible and strive to be, genuinely invested in interest in what your child is learning um, what's happening at the school, keeping abreast of the social aspect of the school as well, which can sometimes be the biggest hindrance to learning is what the kids are experiencing in their social interactions with other kids. And since you can't control what they are learning at your school of choice, because the curriculum is really set by someone else, I would still suggest creating your own educational vision, things that are important to you for them to know. So things you want them to know, things you want them to read, things you want them to experience, and then implementing those ideas at other times, like in the evenings or on the weekends, or use your summer for things like that.
0: Yeah. As a teacher myself, you just can't be invested in these kids as much as parents are and even you taught elementary school but you might have had 20 25 or even 30 kids (laughs) who you're teaching all day so i would really encourage parents that even well-intentioned teachers are not your children's best advocates even a coach who they love um the principal or the janitor whoever their buddies are at school um they're not going to advocate for your kids like you do
1: you're you're absolutely right no one loves them as well as you do. And um, I, I did have almost 30 first graders. I taught first grade, and I can tell you that it's near impossible to teach 36 and seven-year-olds how to read, write, add, and subtract. The, the teacher has got to have some help from the parent at home. The parent has got to be reinforcing that. Those are such crucial tools that being in a class of 20 to 30 kids it's it's near impossible to to truly learn those things
0: absolutely yeah and 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 again the teachers love their kiddos hopefully most of them they're in the job because they love them but i i can't know them in and out like you do they need that person those parents at home who just love them and are for them and know what makes them tick and their ins and outs and strengths and weaknesses and is really supplementing all of that at home so yeah i appreciate that conversation Uh, Looking back on your 20 plus years of homeschooling, is there anything you'd change about your education plan or any wisdom you can impart on us who are just beginning this or maybe in the middle of schooling our kids and realizing we want to be more intentional?
1: Yes, sure. I was really strongly drawn, even before I started homeschooling, to the classical model or philosophy of education. Um, And I'm still pretty sold on it. Now that I've been through it, I've done it, I, I think it's awesome. I think though that if I had to do it all over again, I would try and balance it a bit with a more, I don't know, organic natural model like some of your listeners might be familiar with a model like Charlotte Mason. So the classical model is really tried and true and often results in lifelong learners and logical thinkers, good writers, excellent speakers. But a model like Charlotte Mason focuses more on educating the whole person rather than just their mind cultivating a natural overall lifestyle of learning. And I just love its emphasis on nature studies and handicrafts and narration rather than written answers. So I know there's a lot of philosophies out there. Those are just two examples uh, that I I think I would try to balance. I would have tried to balance myself a little bit with little bit of each. I was also pretty uptight about starting my kids formal education early and completing all the textbooks and all the workbooks and doing every grammar lesson and every math lesson and we weren't finished with the school year unless we'd finished the last page and I really think if I had to do it over again I, I would tell myself to relax a bit. Lessons are often repeated later and less time on each subject is required than I at first imagined. So I think especially between the ages of four and eight, I would not worry so much about what science and grammar curriculum I was doing, for example, but I would spend a small part of those days teaching them to read, write, do basic computations, and the rest of the day leave for outside play, exploration, reading lots of good quality books.
0: That's helpful. Thank you. I really want to work on creating an educational plan for my girls who are four and two. Obviously, the two-year-old is nowhere near being schooled. But as you said, these are things to think about. There's so many books to read. Are there any resources that you have found particularly helpful or that are out now that you'd recommend to moms who want to look into this?
1: Yeah. I, I Here's some of my go-to books that I, I have used um, pretty consistently through the years. So, the first one is called Teaching the Trivium cl- uh, Christian Homeschool in a Classical Style. So, that's by Harvey and Lori Blue Dorn. This is kind of an old school, one of the first on uh, classical education. I actually met the Blue Dorns at my first homeschool conference. I was just really drawn to them. So, it's just a great, very um, great book, very inspirational, great ideas, even has some curriculum ideas and. Uh, Subject ideas that are important at different ages. Um, I also love a couple of Sally Clarkson's books So one of them is called the mission of motherhood and the other educating the Wholehearted child So I've, I've loved her books ever since being a mom I think the mission of motherhood was probably the most Influential for me and inspirational as far as a vision for education and relationships with your kids another book that is really helpful kind of a good reference book to have is called the well-trained mind a guide to classical education at home so even if you're not following a classical model i think this book is still really helpful as far as being comprehensive ideas for what to include in education another book is called the core Teaching Your Child the Foundations of Classical Education by Lee Bortons. So, Lee Bortons is the creator and founder of Classical Conversations, which is a homeschool program my kids did um, eventually, a little later in their schooling. She definitely created her classical homeschool program by um, beginning with the end in mind. She created the high school program first and then worked backward to the elementary and childhood early childhood and elementary years. So everything the students learn in the early years are building blocks to the final years of their education. And I just love how well thought out and comprehensive her vision is. And then the last one I would mention is a book called, actually two, Recovering the Lost Tools of Learning, and another book called Future Men, Raising Boys to Fight Giants. And both of those books are by Douglas Wilson, who is a pastor and also just a, very much an advocate for homeschool and private classical school education.
0: Great. I'm excited to look some of those books up. I'd love to end this series with a word of encouragement from you. Understanding the weight of our responsibility as parents can seem overwhelming when we consider that our child's entire personhood and future will be built upon the foundation that we lay for them. What truths from God's word did you hold on to when you worried that you were inadequate for such a task?
1: Uh, this is such a good question, because I think every mom, and definitely this mom, <laughs> worried a lot and felt inadequate most days. So here are a few verses that I clung to just in the midst of my own insecurities regarding raising and educating my kids. Um, I'd say the first one would be a couple of verses from Psalm 37, so verses 3 through 4 say, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then later in the same Psalm in verse 25, David says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. So really all of Psalm 37 is about David looking around and sensing that everyone is succeeding and prospering except for him especially those who are not seeking to honor or follow the Lord. And this is confusing to him. So he reminds himself and us as we read his words to trust God, to cultivate faithfulness, to to delight ourselves in the Lord. Um, And then like verse 25 says and shows as an older man, David can now look back and testify that though he felt inadequate and forsaken at times, God never um, did forsake him, and God, he's never seen God forsake his children. So I've taken a lot of comfort in those verses over the years. Another verse that is um, probably so familiar to a lot of you has also been a constant source of comfort, and that's Lamentations 3 20, verses 22 through 25. Just a huge source of comfort to me in the midst of raising and educating my kids. And um, so it says, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. In the season of raising and educating my my kids, I often repeated these verses to myself before I even got out of bed in the morning. Reminding myself as I face another day that God does love me. He has compassion for me. He's faithful and he's good. And I can trust and hope in him no matter how this day goes, no matter how overwhelmed by, that I feel by the task that's ahead of me. And then finally, a few verses about God's forgiveness and my righteous standing before God through Christ. When I don't meditate on my own sin, and his forgiveness, I shift into this work based faith and salvation that is nothing but a recipe for despair. I think maybe especially as you try to raise children and, and invest in them for eternity. So, this psalm, Psalm 130, these verses, they strike me every time I read them verses three through four say, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And then I think a good companion verse to that is Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm just about finished memorizing all of Romans 8. I have been working on it with a young woman from my church for the last year. And it's just been a huge source of encouragement to me to read it over the years. But now that it's hidden in my heart, I take so much comfort in what Christ has accomplished for me. On the cross, and the spirit he's put inside of me to help me forsake my own sin and have life in peace. So, when I think about these verses in regard to educating my children, they help me realize that my educational vision is not going to be implemented perfectly. I'm honestly weak and weighed down by my sin at times. I forsake God in my thoughts and my actions. I lose my temper. I speak harshly with my kids. I can be lazy rather than diligent. I'll seek to serve myself rather than the children he's entrusted me with. And then I'll condemn myself for all of it and try, 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 try to never do those things again. But these verses help me remember that because of Christ, he does not keep track of my failures. And if he did, I could not stand, but with him, there is forgiveness. And he does not condemn me because Christ has fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law in me. So I have been forgiven and filled with the spirit who enables me to honor and obey him. I don't think there's any other way we can pull off educating our kids.
0: What a sweet way to end this episode. I hope it's been an encouraging to moms as we continue to endeavor a life of purposeful motherhood. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. I hope that today's episode has encouraged and equipped you to raise your children with eternity in mind. And remember, we are not doing this alone. As Christians, God wills us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are trusting in the finished work of Christ and we're empowered by his Holy Spirit. If this episode has been helpful to you, could you please write a review for other moms and share this podcast with your friends? For more information in the show notes, check out MissTeacherMom.com. And please join us next week for the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.